This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Tour. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is our Let's Talk Arsenal series. A show in which we're joined by a wide variety of weird and wonderful people uh, to talk about the club that we love. Uh, in the wake of Arsenal's, I nearly said defeat against Spurs. It feels like that. I feel like we've lost. Um, and that's because anything other than a win against Spurs is effectively that to us. Because that's where we kind of set our standards as a club in comparison to that lot down the road. Um, I have a sense that this is going to be a bit of a therapy session of a show um, for people uh, and one in which we'll get our feelings off our chests. We'll be engaging with you guys in the chat box towards the end with a, a Q&A section as well. So make sure you stick around for that and be patient with us uh, whilst we get our uh, uh, our thoughts out. Um, and uh, yeah, let's, let's crack on with things. Do drop a like on the video, subscribe to the channel, that lovely stuff, and show plenty of love to our fantastic panel. We've taken time out of their evenings to to come and have a chat about what happened in today's game. First of all, joining me, it's my right-hand gal from the Eat Sleep Arsenal Repeat podcast. It's Sophie. How are you doing, Soph? Tom, I'm not going to lie, I've had better days. Mm-hmm. It is weird how... It's not a defeat, yet it certainly feels that way, doesn't it? Yeah, I feel like we lost. Mm, mm. I feel like we lost. It's like, it's not necessarily like we feel like we lost the game. I feel like it's we, we've we lost momentum. We've lost belief. We've lost players. Um, there's so many things that we lost today, um, and we'll go into that in in more detail. Also joined uh, by my very good friends from Albert JTV. Albert, how are you doing, my friend? You good, you well? Yes. Um, I, I was I was all right to hear from you earlier on this this late afternoon, Tom, um, to come on. But in terms of mm. being at the game, um, which I was lucky to get a ticket for, um, lucky is a word. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I think I think I'd had more fun watching the Soul Home Cup at home. Yeah, yeah. I, I had it on in the background while I was sorting out the start of the blog, and it's to be fair, it's going quite well and it's very exciting. So. Uh, yeah, we'll see how that 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 continues. But uh, yeah, just I mean, how was it? I will ask you because you were there in the ground. Yeah. 
there was I saw the Ashburn Army's um, statement ahead of the game about kind of making noise and keeping the noise going. I job. felt like, and I wasn't there. It's the first, actually, no, it's the second game I've not been there this season. I wasn't there for the Fulham game, so I was away. Um, but it felt after the they scored the first and then after they scored again that it was probably the quietest it's been at the Emirates. But is that an unfair representation? Because I was going off of the, the television. Tom, it's absolutely not an unfair representation. I can tell you that 100% because I was asked a question about the atmosphere and a, a lot of people made comments about it. Um, I felt it was the case more after the second goal um, yeah. because they were so furious that we conceded so quickly after the, um, getting 2-1 up. Mm. Um, and you could tell with the fans in the stadium, one, because it's Tottenham, two, because we surrendered the lead twice. And the atmosphere, there was fingernails bitten, Tom, there was people sitting pensively in their chairs or standing up. And that's what happens when you lose advantage, when you concede the advantage of being up in a game that's so pivotal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we're going to go into it in more detail. And uh, our third guest this evening, uh, making his debut today, I uh, I know he's listened to the channel uh, before and he's reached out to me in the past before with some kind messages, but I really uh, became aware of, of our guest this evening from a video that they did on AFTV as a guest uh, after, I think it was, it might be, he'll tell me if I'm wrong, I think it was maybe the Fulham game. Um and uh, it was talking about Kai Havertz and he was providing as much context as possible during a really difficult kind of time. And it went very viral, that video. And, you know, no matter people's thoughts on, on the platform of AFTV, just the in interview in particular really did resonate with me a lot in that moment. And based upon some of the things we might discuss today, I thought it would be great to get him on to provide some, maybe some context and some grounded thoughts on things. So, Christopher, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, my friend. How are you doing? I'm great, thanks. Yeah, it's uh, great to be making my debut on the show. So thanks for having me on, Tom. Great to be on with you, Sophie and Albert as well. And um, I'm somewhat dejected today, to be mm. honest. Um, yeah, just uh, not a good performance. Um, draw definitely feels like a loss, even though we haven't lost this season. Pretty much not too dissimilar to a fashion um, of the Fulham interview, which which was the interview that you were referencing. So, yeah, um, we've got uh, work to do for our, our next up-and-coming matches, I think. Yeah. Before we go into the game, just quickly, I'm curious because, uh, you know, I've never been in a position where I've done an interview that's gone kind of viral. How did that... <laughs> It was the fallout of that video. I'm very curious to get kind of the reaction of you to the reaction of you, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, well, I've, I've done a few AFTV fan cams. Um, you know, I've obviously got uh, my own channel, um, you know, that, that I do, the Armoury TV. Um, and yeah, like, I, I, the reaction I got from that one was, well, it's crazy, to be honest. And I was quite surprised by it because... I think a lot of people in the heat of the moment, um, you know, just just um, can be quite can be quite difficult to kind of take stock of things, and and you know you can just kind of react in the moment. And I think I think to be honest, I I don't I think it was I think people found it refreshing that that so, you know that there was some sort of balance provided, yeah. you know, to what they saw and. Yeah, like all the positive messages that I got from that and, and, you know, sort of the encouragement to continue sort of on my own journey uh, with, with sort of providing content for people to sort of uh, review 
uh, analyzing you know our performances was 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 really good so you know i think you know that's what i intend to do and you know just just from a standpoint i think you know it was, it was really it was really nice really you know yeah. sort of just to sort of see that that there are people out there that that can sort of like take a pause and a bit of a deep breath that, that i you know i felt quite alone there that day like and i don't know it was just good to see that that there are other people out there that that, that can do that as well you know yeah in some it's, form. it's it's very easy to jump onto a social media platform or a YouTube channel or a forum and be very angry and abusive and, you know, chaotic and not even abusive, but sometimes just like unnecessarily angry. It's really easy to do that. It's actually a lot more difficult to be objective and grounded when everyone else is being the opposite. Um, but there is a lot of anger and, uh, and rightly so, I think, in this case, Sophie, about today's performance. We'll go around the group. Give me your raw reaction to today's draw. Um, it started off, I've been confident all week. I had this bold prediction of 5-2 and I said that we would be up 3-0 at half time. And a simple pass from, I can't, from Vieira to maybe Saka or the other way around. Jesus finishing what was, I, I, I'm not joking. I think I could have buried that myself, right? Um, I would, I would have, yeah, I, I don't know if I'd put a bet on it, but, you know. <laughs> I'd like to reenact that and prove that yeah. to you, Tom. <laughs> we can um, do that. We can do that. I felt like my 3-0 was on like Donkey Kong. And mm. then this morning, it I don't know if it was the Trossard thing. We were talking in the green room, tr hearing about Trossard, and then watching the game in a Tottenham household um, with two Tottenham fans and a Manchester United fan and a Stoke City fan, I just felt everything start to unravel and go wrong. And I, you know, whipped out the Greek vodka for a little bit and that didn't work. It just, it, everything felt wrong. And even when we went 1-0 up, I just felt uncomfortable in the whole game. Didn't like the lineup at all, um, like a lot of Arsenal fans. And it just felt like we were off. And the thing that concerned me the most is like, wow, are we going to be the team that can't play like Wednesday, Sunday, are we going to be that team? You know, what's the, and people say, well, what's the difference with Europa League and, you know, playing in the Premier League? Um, but we've been out of Europe, we were out of the domestic cups, we got used to like having like more days off than a lot of the other top teams. And it just felt like, is this team and is this manager going to be able to manage that over a season? So I started thinking of all these other ancillary things versus kind of being laser focused on the game. And I have to say, and it tastes like vinegar coming out of my mouth, but credit to Tottenham. You know, they, they, they came to play and they adapted. And I think today, Ange Apostacoglu out-managed, out-coached Mikel Arteta. And Kevin always says, finish your chances, you win the game. And I'd like the same energy that people have given me on your show, on my show, and on other shows when I have defended Aaron Ramsdale. If same energy, people saying that Ramsdale's mistakes, same energy with our forward line, finish your chances, bury them. Please. I mean, it's, it was pathetic in that first half, if I'm being honest. And I don't know, like, a PSV so much worse than Tottenham? 
we put in a performance like that and then we can't back it up at the weekend. So I think we have a horrible problem um, that's brewing and I don't know what it is, but something's off. And that's kind of like my immediate raw reaction. Uh, yeah, that's about as raw as raw reactions will come. And that's why we ask for them. Albert, give me yours, mate. Oh, Tom Canton, where do I start? Um, oh, he's full named me. I'm in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> yeah when I formally call you Tom Canton, it, we're, we're talking business here, mate. Trust me. Um, yeah, I, it, it came through. I was walking down to the ground in terms of when the team lineup came out. I was like, I, I, at that time, I didn't know about the Trossard injury. So I was like, okay, um, there must be a method of thinking as the team that Arteta's picked. Okay, cool. We back the manager. Um, sort of coming into the game, Tom, I thought about this for a few weeks, actually, not just because it's a North London derby, but I said Arsenal score should win 2-1, but I said to people, this is not, I know it's only we're in game week six in the Premier League, but from, from what I've seen of Tottenham, um, this is not the same Tottenham under a, a Conte or a Mourinho, um, despite what Paul Merson might have said leading up to the game. Um, and it showed, Tom, um, the first half I thought we were okay for a period. Um, we, we get the goal. Um, couldn't happen to a better person in terms of Romero. Um, I like them chats with you off camera. Um, but I, 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 thought we, I thought we kept Madison quiet for me, which was the key thing. Um, I thought we pressed him really, really well. We didn't give him a chance to get on the half turn and to play to create us problems. Um, but in the first we, half, yeah, were you yeah. watching the same game, Albert? Were you watching <laughs> the same game, mate? Yeah, no, in terms of Madison, I didn't think I didn't actually think we gave him too much room to operate. Um, but I thought that I thought the problem was when we went one nil up, I don't know what happened. Um, we 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 didn't we didn't control the game, we got sloppy in our passing, they got a bit more confident, they were very, very physically imposing side. Um, and, I, and I think for a majority of it, they did that. They actually bullied us, um, especially when Declan Rice came off. But yeah, Tom, the, 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 the thing that concerns me the most as well, which is another issue, is we keep conceding goals at home. And I, and I don't know how you rectify this. We, we've not kept a clean sheet at home this season. Forest have come in and scored, Fulham have, United have, and now Tottenham have bagged the brace. Um, and that's yeah. with Sleeper back in the side, by the way. Um, yeah. so I don't know how they rectify that, but yeah, I, I don't know. There was a period in that first half, Tom, where they just wrestled it, wrestled, wrestled initiative. Um, if you take where obviously going into the second half of the VAR, but like I said, the substitutions and just Tottenham physically bullied us, and, and they did play well, to be fair to them. Yeah, uh, it's interesting in the Madison point. I think in the second half, he was he had a lot of space. Um, yeah, he did. First half, the first 35 minutes, very quiet. Last 10 minutes of the first half, really impactful. Um, so it's interesting. I guess the view from the television inside the stadium can create those differences. I know that for a fact from being, you know, from the differences I see when I'm there to watching on the telly as well. So, yeah, it's, it's intriguing. Um, and, and lastly, Chris, give us give us your... Did you go to the game today? Were you there? Were you there? I didn't. I didn't go to the game today. I, I did. My friend um, had a ticket for me this morning, but um, I, I had already committed to doing stuff with family here. So, I mean, yeah. my, my sister, they're all Arsenal fans because of Big Brother. So, I was sat there watching it with them anyway. But, 
um was having a roast dinner with family so like i committed to that so i didn't want to go back on it but um i'm i was disappointed with the performance i, I think over the course of the game i think we you know my prediction for the game was 3-1 this week and i think i shared mm -hmm. sophie's confidence based on the way we've played and i don't think we've been playing to our best necessarily coming into this game but i think the PSV game, Hezu's coming back, the manner of that performance, I, I think that that gave that instilled me with confidence. Along with the history of this game, I think they've only won, I think it was 2010, I think, since they've beaten yeah. us. At the, and I think they've only beaten us away from home two or three times in the whole of the Premier League era, if I'm not mistaken. So I, I think I, I was confident, you know, sort of going into that game based on you know, sort of, you know, all of these variables kind of clustered together until the team sheet came out and I saw Trossard wasn't on it. Now, um, I actually think Arteta got the selection wrong. I think I think hindsight 2020 is a wonderful thing, but um, I think I, I, I've definitely been championing a case for Jesus playing on the wings, but I don't think that was the game to do it. Uh, I think um, I personally would have gone with starting uh, Reese Nelson on the left um, and, and keeping Jesus up top because he's the Niketia, there might be a case that he's a better finisher, but I think all round in that position, what Jesus brings you in terms of impact on other players around him, Odegaard, Jesus, um, sorry, Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli or Trossard, whoever it is in the wings. I just think that's where he can be most impactful and like you know most at his best. So that was a concern for me. The other concern, and this is going to sound crazy, I wanted Havertz to start this game, and um, my oh, rationale, my rationale behind that was I knew that this game in the centre of midfield was going to be won or lost in that department in, in terms of who could impose themselves in that midfield, particularly physically, especially with Basuma and Saar. And Madison's not exactly, you know, sort of any run of that litter, any either, you know, sort of in the physical department as well. So whatever can be said about habits going forward, he's great at winning duels. He's great, you know, sort of, you know, physically relative to Vieira. So, so that was something that concerned me a bit. Uh, I think Vieira's been great this season. Don't, don't get me wrong. But I, I was a bit nervous with that decision, you know, and I did feel that the game would be made or broken on these decisions. And um, unfortunately, it was the latter of those two. Um, I, I, I think the way we started as well, you know, like Tottenham have been starting games really slowly. This, you know, like that. That's not just a hallmark of their games under Postacoglu, but actually for a long time now under Conte it's been the same you know they've been you know labeled second half FC all of last season by their own fan base so I really expected us to get at them early on and we didn't we took a good 10 or 15 minutes to get into that first half and I think that gave them confidence you know even though we switched it after those 10 or 15 minutes and we started to dominate started to get on the ball a bit more started to create chances I think the fact that they had weathered that first 10 to 15 minute storm 
made them feel that they could weather it. And then, as Sophie said, when you're missing chances um, that you should be putting away, which, which Jesus did, okay, the first one was saved uh, well by Vicarium, was on target. That gave them more confidence, you know, and, and I think that drove them into sort of a spell in the last 10 or 15 minutes of the first half where it was apparent we were holding on um, to trying to get to half-time at uh, 1-0. And this is an ongoing criticism I've had of Arsenal, um, you know, in the nicest possible way. I feel that we don't go for the juggler enough when we put ourselves in a certain positions. Now, I was really pleased that we did that against PSV. We kept trying to score until the last minute. Palace away, you know, when it was 1-0. I know it's I know it's away. I know it's Selhurst Park. I know it's a difficult fixture. You know, today it was the same thing. And it came back. To cost us a goal before half time that gave them all the ascendancy. The second half, okay, Rice went off, um, which didn't help. Um, but I mean, you know, to get the penalty and then to give the goal away in that manner, you know, the Jorginho mistake uh, from the kickoff was really disappointing, you know. And I, um, you know, to put yourself in a position where Rice has come off, you know, heads have probably dropped because of how important he's been to that midfield. It's just sloppy. And I agree with Albert, you know, that Fulham game, he was there, you know, um, we are giving away goals at home. I think we've only we've only kept four clean sheets in the last 28 yeah. games. Yeah. Four. And um, I think a couple of those we've conceded in the first minute as well, which we didn't do today. But conversely, there is a problem with conceding goals at home. And we need to get to the bottom of why that is very quickly. Very quickly. They're, they're very sloppy. You know, the Man United goal, Havertz giving away the ball. I'm not trying to pick it. I'm not picking out individuals here because I think it's a team problem collectively. Um, a stacker against Fulham, the back pass. Um, the corner that led to the second goal. Um, you know, and again today with the mistakes. So it's becoming a hallmark and we, we, we need to address that elephant in the room. I think individual errors is the hardest thing always to address for a team. Something. Tap, my... Tap it. Sophie, come in on first quickly. So I I think that's a good analysis. And here's the thing. When why sign Reese Nelson when you're not gonna why doesn't he start Reese Nelson? Has he just mm. decided that Reese is a super sub or something? Because I think Vieira is a sub. I'm, I, I, I was, I was encouraged by Vieira's performances. However, you know we've played a very poor Manchester United team and some average teams, you know, so far this season. To me, felt like he's still, but when he he's coming off the bench, I think you know super effective. So I didn't understand that. And also, when you see how effective Jesus is, you know, down the middle, Tom. I just don't get why you wouldn't play your best player in his best position and the cause and effect when he's in that position. Why not give Reese Nelson a chance, Tom? I, I, even even Vieira playing on the left instead of Eddie and Havertz starting in midfield for me would have been, you know, a better option. And I say that loosely just because Eddie offered nothing today. Absolutely nothing. And I'm, I'm not singling him out. He was so mm. poor. I don't get it. I, Reese Nelson, I think, has deserved a shot at starting. 
Yeah, I didn't have an issue, like a really big issue with the line. I, when I saw the lineup come out, it it didn't hit me as go, oh no, I'm not really happy. I genuinely wasn't that fussed. But I think that when Eddie has that game that he has, it then exacerbates any issues that do exist within that lineup, which is obviously Jesus in the wide position. If we're honest, Enketia was. Um, Am I getting feedback off somebody just quickly? Can anyone else hear the feedback? It might be Albert. I, I did, yeah. It was, I think Albert. it was Albert. Okay, cool. No worries, Albert. I think you just got your volume up high. <laughs> um, but when it comes to like, when, when Jesus plays in a wide area, he is actually quite good t- typically in, in a wide position. He played really well there for Manchester City. And we've been talking a lot about how we see Jesus as probably the most viable rotational option if Saka's not there in this team because we lack such a, a we lack such depth at right wing jesus has been talked about a lot by fans me included as being a rotational option if we wanted to ever rotate and give saka a bit of a rest so i didn't have an issue i think it was more because of eddie being so absent from that you know against man united that was a game he didn't score an assist in but he was brilliant in that game playing center forward the things he did off the ball the things he did winning the ball high up the runs he made the passes the way he held the ball like it was really good in that game despite not scoring or assisting and that didn't translate in the same way to today's performance i i'm almost certain if declan rice is on the field for 90 minutes we win because i think the midfield battle is really key in this game and but why would you think that. that tom declan rice had a poor first half that i think that's i didn't his... think he was like I wouldn't describe him as poor. I'd just describe him as below what we've come to expect from Declan Rice. So if you want to call that poor in his standards, I suppose that's fair. Mm-hmm. But I just think that if he is there instead of Jorginho, we, oh, we are yeah, we're well. far more assured. The mistake doesn't happen because I don't see Declan Rice making that mistake. And that's not me pointing the finger and saying Jorginho is a bad player. He's just not Declan Rice. Like, and And suddenly Jorginho got this kind of absolute windrush of crazy uh, flary opinions based upon him saying he should never be in this Arsenal squad, blah, 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 blah. No, he's one of the best third choice DMs that you're going to get out there, periods. Like as a third choice DM, you're not getting a much better player than Jorginho is. It's it's an error that we sadly have to deal with. And he's owned up to, he's come out on social media uh, already in the wake of the game to, to make his words known. It sucks that that happened. He's one of the most accomplished passers in, in world football. That's why he got into the, the Ballon d'Or position that he did from being that controller and orchestrator from deep in that Italian side and in that Chelsea side that won the Champions League. So I'm not going to start bashing the guy. It's a terrible error, you know, and, and I, he'll know that more than anybody. And if we don't make that error and we've got that lead for a longer period and the support can get behind the team and we can kind of dig in with that lead and Spurs are frantically trying to find an equaliser, I just see the game going in a very, very different way. But the thing is, is it didn't. And we conceded quickly, and then it's about how you respond to that moment. And this is where my big gripe with Arteta comes from, Albert, in this game, is I personally don't think that Arteta made the right choices after we conceded the second goal. Because although Havertz was already on at that point, we were flinging balls into the box, and instead of having the tallest guy on the field in there, he was the guy trying to deliver the crosses. And I'm sitting there thinking, Eddie and Kitt is not having a good game. Take him off. Bring Smith-Rowe on. Added that little bit of dynamism into the midfield again. Chuck Havertz at centre-forward. Have him laying off. Had him holding at the ball if you need to. And getting on the end of the crosses that are being put into the box. I just felt that Arteta mismanaged the end of the game from my perspective. Preach it, Tom Canton. Preach it. But um, you know what? You know what's interesting in terms of... What one thing I complained about, I think a couple of games ago, I don't know if you guys might agree or not, 
in terms of our set pieces from corners, I needed to see more variation, which they've done in terms of, you know, they had about six or eight short corners last time. But again, it kind of lent to the point with our corners today. Um, one, the delivery's got to be good. And two, I, again, I would have liked to see a little bit more variation in, in terms of what they've been doing the last couple of games, which is a good thing, because you want to try and pull defenders out of position or give the, give the opposition, opposition team something to think about. In terms of the Jorginho mistake, I think the thing that made it worse for me is that you're looking at a guy that's one of your most experienced players in the squad, not in the team, and, and he's making that mistake. And I think Tottenham probably rubbed their hand when he came on because they thought, you know what? We've got some big physical boys in there, as Chris has mentioned, in terms of Pape Sar and Basuma. Very, very dominant. Um, in terms of um, Kai Havertz, Tom, we always have this debate amongst the fan base and it, and it will continue with Kai Havertz in terms of where do you play him or where do you get the best out of him? But you made a good point in terms of because of his height and the physical prowess that he can give us. And even the other night when he played in a little cameo bit in terms of change of position against PSV, he was a bit more prominent, a bit more dominant there. But it, it, to me, you get him a little bit more centrally. And in particular for a game like that, where if you're going to be throwing balls into the box, get him on the end of it. Um, and the great point about Reese Nelson, because well, that's what Sophie touched on, because we knew Martinelli wasn't going to play. We're going to miss his directness. We're going to miss his pace. Pedro Porro would have had the most comfortable game at right back you have this season. And one of the reasons why that happens, because it would have been like for like, yes, people might say in hindsight, we can, we can look back and say, but Reese Nelson... You know, yes, you could argue start. He could have come on a lot earlier, to be honest. And in terms of the subs, I don't know what you thought, um, Tom, probably the other guys as well. I thought Saka looked knackered. And I'm not talking about whether he was effective or not. I, I thought he's going to be pulled off, to be honest with you. And mm. I'm assuming with Jesus, there might have been a plan in terms of, look, he's not made any 90-minute appearances this season. We're going to take him off, to, off after a certain time. That's what it looked like to me in terms of why he came off. Because I know Arsenal fans were grumbling in the stadium. And I thought... This has got to be pre-planned. Um, yeah. I'm surprised Eddie stayed on for it. Yeah, but sometimes minutes. plans should go out the window. Of course, you need to be a sure adaptability and flexibility. Um, Not but, at the detriment of the player, of course, Albert. But no, no, of this course, is the North course. London derby, yeah. and you know the fact that Eddie stayed on and Jesus was sub. I mean, he didn't look as knack. I mean, everyone looked knackered. I think Jesus was fitness, so there's there's my understanding. Just sorry to cut in. I just okay. obviously. I'd, just to apply the context early, I think that Jesus was, but at the same time, I thought Ketia was too. And like you could, we could have taken him off, you know, as I yeah, said, we could gone. have brought Smith Rowe or Nelson on earlier and you could have moved Havertz at centre forward. But, and I don't know why we didn't because he brought Smith Rowe on in the 93rd minute. Yeah. What a joke. You know, I've praised, I've praised Arteta for, for, the manner in how he's made substitutions in recent games. I think if you go back to Fulham uh, from when I was in, you know, in the stadium that day, the substitutions made the difference um, against Man United when he did bring Jesus on. Uh, you know, the substitutions again, you know, made the difference. Um, you know, um, he he's been getting better at that, but today again, I I I I don't think he got that right. I don't. I don't think like the the timing of the substitutions, the personnel, and where they were deployed. Um, 
all of them, I think, were questionable. I, I, I totally agree with Al, Albert. I think Poro needed... Because the, the thing is, when Jesus plays centrally, he drifts into the channels anyway. And, of course, Niketia does that as well. But because Niketia doesn't have the positional sense of playing on the wings that Jesus does, because Jesus has played on the wings, mm. you know, both in Brazil and for City, when he drifts into the channels, he can be more effective. Yeah, And, if, you know, I think if he drifts into the left with a Reese Nelson and he's doubling up on Porro, who, let's be honest, is much better going forward, and most Tottenham fans will tell you this, than going backwards, he immediately has more to think about. So, you know, to have not done that to begin with, but to then not seeing that that was how, in my opinion, he should have made the change, I just found very questionable. Um, and, yeah, I mean... Obviously, like he can't really be blamed for Jorginho being subbed on and making the the, the mistake that the, that individual error is more on the player. But yeah, I think I think keeping the Ketir on was was another one. You know that that I really really questioned. You know, I think you know, and and I I really don't like singling out players, and I I, I love Eddie as well, but I just think everyone could see that he wasn't having one of his best days at the office. And it, it's one thing to, to see that and perhaps blind eye it in, in certain other games. A North London derby at home, if someone's not, if someone's not up for it, get him off. In the nicest possible sense, like this is not the game where, you, you know, you, you can have anyone that, that's not kind of pulling their weight. So... Oh, that was disappointing, I Chris, think. Just, Chris, sorry, just to follow on that. Tom, sorry, you might want to... Sorry to cut in quickly. I, I, I had just talking to some of the Arsenal fans, um, obviously, after the game in terms of... Dangerous. Yeah, um, like... <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're talking about it. I know what Chris is talking about in terms of the fan camp. Trust I tried, me, um, trust me. I regret yeah. tweeting anything after the game. <laughs> yeah, you know what it was? I don't know. I, I kind of thought about, thought about it a bit more after the game in terms of um, some of the Arsenal players possibly playing the occasion a bit more because I looked at our pressing game today, Tom. Uh, I don't know what you thought. Um, I thought he's completely off. I mean, I know I know Erdegaard is the main instigator in it, Tom, when it comes to starting a trigger in the press. But I just yeah. thought, I, I don't think we pressed. I thought they bypassed our press. I thought they bypassed it to the same extent Man United bypassed it when we played them with their kind of passing out from the back at times. But Obviously, the Jesus cut chance comes from that pressing. Yeah, the, well, we got in it the right. first yeah. five minutes. There was another chance that we wasted. I think Jesus was again the guy nabbing the ball around the left hand side. I have no issue with that because it forces teams to play out like they do. The issue when you press like that and teams play out successfully is that suddenly there is massive spaces, you exactly. know, in the middle third yeah. that teams can kind of drive into. Um. I think it's still the right way to play from our perspective in in terms of the pressing because it generates great chances. It's just I just think that there is something to be said. Like we can all hyperanalyze Arsenal's performance, but there is at some point you have to turn around and say, and it hurts to say it, but Spurs did play really, really well, and yeah, like they did play out from the back really, really well. And Madison, I thought, was really, really good. Son, obviously. Had a, a, his, his finishing was was excellent. And we wasn't. And that's the difference, is that one team were good at finishing and the other team wasn't. And I feel as though if Jesus takes that chance oh, and Arsenal goes to new up, my goodness, this 
it's yeah, it's it because Spurs become erratic trying to get those chances to try and get back into the game desperately, open up, and you know, and then it's it, it's like taking candy from a baby. And it's just that again, and you brought this up earlier, Chris, this element of being at home and conceding and the pressure that seems to go with the crowd that's there at the same time that wasn't there on Wednesday, because they just they scored early and then they scored again. And as soon as they got that second goal, it was comfortable. Even though PSV came forward and attacked us, it never felt like really they were going to threaten properly. It felt calm. And a lot of the... We've used that word calm, Sophie, to describe mm. David Breyer in these last two games. Oh, I didn't get a sense of calm in the same way about him today. And also, I want to give you the chance to talk about this because I know that you know, you're know you a big, big admirer of Aaron Ramsdale. But the reaction to... And I've seen multiple people talk about the reaction to... Ramsdale's reaction to clapping the save of um, of, of Rare, which, by the way, is an unbelievably world-class save, by the way. It's, it's an amazing piece of Phenomenal. Um, but then I have an issue with Rare's way he handles the first goal because he pushes the ball back into danger and that then yeah. leads to the, 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 the goal, sadly, coming in. And then, you know, arguably distribution-wise, there were some question marks on it too. But I oh, just find that the, the jump... It's mad. People have jumped on Raya a bit, I think, this week because of Ramsdale being out. And now I'm seeing Ramsdale being jumped on um, for the way he reacted. But I just thought it was class, to be honest, the way he reacted to that save. Listen, we've all been in jobs where we feel like we deserve the promotion over somebody else. And then somebody else gets the promotion, right? And it's really hard to be happy for that person, let's be honest, especially when you feel like you deserve something. In professional sports, it's ruthless and it's, you know, it, it just works a little bit differently. However, I thought it was classless of Jamie Carragher to say what he did about Aaron Ramsdale clapping. And you know what? As a goalkeeper, you know that Aaron is a spontaneous, in the moment, emotional kind of guy as well. That was a genuine reaction. And I can't remember who he was sitting next to, but they kind of reacted to, to the save as well. Um, I said on the show, what was it we did three days ago, Tom? Don't get too excited. You yep. know, you can't judge him against Everton and PSV. You just can't do that. Wait until we've played a team that's going to really give us problems. And today, Tottenham, credit to them, they did. They put pressure on him and he didn't seem as comfortable on the ball. And look, that, that save was phenomenal because that could have changed the game as well. It was just mm -hmm. brilliant, kept us in the match. But I've seen Ramsdale do that at Leicester. I've seen him do that, a double save at Liverpool. I've seen him save with his foot at Tottenham last season to keep us to keep the game, you know, in our favour at theirs. I've seen him make those saves. And today I just I felt like what's the difference between the two stats, right? That's what that's what the difference is. And of course this is a goalkeeper that 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 Arteta's been after for a couple of seasons now. I get it. But Today was a good example of just put the brakes on. Um, and it would have been, I think, this was a game where Arsenal needed a little bit of, and I say this, and not because I want him in the team, but we missed someone like Xhaka today who's going to put his face in people's, he's going to put his face, he's going to give people problems, he's going to be like this on the pitch. We missed Ramsdale's bravado. We did. Yeah. We missed what he offers in terms of enthusiasm, in terms of, you know, that edge that he can create. There was no shithousery about us today. This is a North London derby. 
Udogi got a yellow card in the first half and we did nothing, oh, nothing to cause problems. Yeah. Great point. So I think, I think those, those, little, those little things, sorry, those little things mount up in a match like this. Um, and Raya is a really good goalkeeper. There's no doubt that he could probably be great for us. But I think that we've got a few issues across the park and I just want us to look at things the same way as we do in terms of other positions as well. Mm. Chris, did you want to jump in? Sorry, Chris. Yeah, no, I was just going to add as well that, that point about Yudoji getting the yellow card early on. Um, at the end of the first half, well, Madison, I think, Basuma had yellow cards as well. Basuma um, and Saar both had yellows. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think Madison got one as well, didn't he? Because he got one really? the same time Odegaard did. There's a lot of yellow. <laughs> it was. Well, was that when Gary? Was that when Gary Neville says, "Oh, is he giving the card?" And he was talking about an Arsenal player. Um, by the way, uh, how you guys listen to Gary Neville oh, week in, week was... out, commentating on your football? Woof, oh, that's God. that's a rough listen, yeah, isn't Madison it? Madison didn't get put. By the way, it was Basuma. Yeah, Basuma yeah, in Basuma. that moment you're talking about, where we thought Ben White was getting Gary Neville thought Ben White was getting booked. That's correct. Thanks, Basuma Tom. Yeah, because he shouted and trying to say, "How is it? You know, how is it not a yellow or whatever?" Yeah. So there you go. Sorry, uh, Chris gone. Yeah, I mean, I just look at that when you're two, you're two central midfielders, you're two defensive midfielders, and and your your wing back, your your fullback, um, in Spurs' case, are on yellows, and our most dangerous players are Odegaard and Saka. You know, two of the most dangerous players. You know, do enough to exploit that. You know, I think. And I, you know, I agree with Sophie as well. I think Ramsdale does give you that, you know, sort of that edge, that competitive edge, you know, over Raya, who's a bit more of a, he seems anyway, like a bit more of a quiet and more composed character. I think Ramsdale's more of a heart on your sleeve, kind of geeing up the crowd, um, you know, giving it a bit of the, you know, in their ear and just, just engaging in a bit of the darker arts. Um, we've seen that work really well with Ramsdale in, in recent derbies. Um, and yeah, I've, I've, White Hart Lane, I think he made seven saves, got man of the match as well. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a great performance. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm I'm absolutely not for chopping and changing goalkeepers. I, you know, like Arteta came out with this interview saying like, maybe could we do that in certain game states or whatever. For me, I just think the continuity of a back line should involve consistency of personnel I, I just yeah. think the two go hand in hand I'm just from that school of thought um, but um, yeah Raya did some good today I think some of his distribution left a little to be desired in, in certain instances but he hit the long ball two or three times didn't he today that's his specialty that's what he's meant to be you know known for and to be fair I think the the thing about Enketier is he's not the guy you kick long to, whereas Jesus no. is someone you can kick long to because yeah. he's really good at kind of winning those battles. Um, so when you don't play Jesus at centre forward, you know you can't necessarily unless you are pinging it out to the right hand side, which you know they, they dealt with really really. Well. I thought Saar had a really really good game. Um, not you know I'm not that familiar with Saar to be honest, and and I know he's been out on loan a bit, but I thought you know I was like oh okay that that midfield Basuma Saar you know it's, surely we're going to be able to boss this right and I thought he had a really good game Basuma was excellent by the way yeah, um, was very very good and has been this season frustratingly compared to last season where he wasn't very good this season he's been excellent um, but I wanted to talk about the midfield 
I'm so glad you mentioned Xhaka, Sophie, because I think this is a really telling part of the Arsenal squad this season. Like last season, we wanted to take what we had kind of done and recognise that, you know, we, I think most of us would agree we overachieved last year. Mm. We did more than what we expected us to do last season. And so the only way that we were ever going to turn a season in which you technically overachieve and you work beyond your limits is to evolve as a group and to try and find ways that you can establish a run of momentum and dominance into a new season, which then highlights all the positives of that season. The problem is, is one of the biggest positives from that season was Granit Xhaka and his influence on the team and his role that he had in the eleven. And when I look at the squad now, I think goalkeeper, we've upgraded in that area with having two really good keepers rather than just one. At right back, of course, we added Timber, which at the start of the season was, a, you know, I thought, a fantastic player. Right back, left back, bordering on a world-class talent, if not a world-class talent. Um, excellent player, which added depth then to centre-half with White being able to cover in that position. Kivio we brought in in January, of course, so we start the season with more depth at left centre-back as well. You know, and left back with Tommy Asu and Kivior that can both play there. In midfield, we've got Helfer level with a £105 million signing in defensive midfield with Rice. You've still got Jorginho. You've still had Partey there available. Vieira's come into the season, looked really good. But I think, you know, his best position is still very much on the right-hand side as kind of an attacking midfielder because he's left-footed. I still think that's his best role. Um, obviously, you've had players improve like Jesus and Nketiah has been improved and had a good start to the season. And Trossard, we've got at the beginning of the season as well compared to just halfway through last season. But the one area that we have, I'd argue, are not as strong in, have arguably regressed in, is that left eight role. That if you want to describe it as that, I know Arteta probably wouldn't want to define it so specifically. But that third midfield slot, in addition to the defensive midfielder and Erdegaard, is not as strong at the moment. And uh, I'm going to come back to Chris, you first, and I'm going to go to the others, because obviously you spoke very measuredly on Havertz mm -hmm. uh, in the interview that you did. Today mm -hmm. was the first time when he came off the bench and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I can't sit and be patient forever. But I can be patient to a degree. And we are only six Premier League games into the season, which is a really short amount of time in a player's career. But the thing is, for me, is that the reason why I can't sit here and say it's only six games, you know, we've got a long way to go, is because I've not seen growth in those yeah. six games, if you know what I mean. Like, I'm not asking for a goal necessarily. I'm not asking no. for an assist necessarily. It's not as simple as a goal contribution that I'm asking for. I'm just asking for more than I've seen. And I'm not yeah. seeing more. And that's what's giving me these concerns. And as soon as I put that on social media, of course, I have people saying, oh, you're joining the scapegoat parade of Havertz criticism. I'm like, no, I've really tried to be patient and back this and be measured. But I have to feel like there is an element of expectation about a £65 million signing that has had years of experience in the Premier League already that they will show more. And he hasn't. And just it's either save me or justify me. Either way is fine. <laughs> yeah, I think, look, to be honest, as I said, you know, I think looking at the PSV game um, and, you know, his his impact there, I thought that was, again, one of his better performances. I think a lot of people do get sure. lost in the source of um, the GA argument, you know, with attacking yeah. players. You know, like, you couldn't have possibly impacted a game without scoring or getting an assist. But I actually think, you know, I think he won eight duels um, again, which for the third time this season is a game where he's won more duels than any other player on the pitch, you know? So, you know, in terms of our system, 
winning the ball high up um, and turning over possession in the opponent's half um, and then counter-transitioning from that high position. That is what our system's lifeblood is underpinned by. You know, like that that's what makes it work, you know. So for me, I just thought Tottenham today, it's a North London derby against the enemy. It's at home. We need that. That's what we need, you know, like even if, but I think I think what I'd, what Arteta looked at is because he has been critiqued and because he has not been well received and because there is a huge amount of pressure, as you said, for him to perform and to justify the price tag, I think Arteta didn't pick him based on the occasion. Thinking, I literally just sat and thought about this two seconds ago. So like on, like just as we're on air, you know, I think that's maybe what he did. I think he thought, you know, the pressure might get to him in this game by starting him. But I actually think the qualities that he has in that left centre mid role off the ball and defensively were what we needed. But when he came on, he didn't do enough. He didn't, you know, and I think, I don't know whether that was, you know, sort of the way Arteta deployed him. Again, it could be the pressure again. I, I do think he does, because it must be difficult, you know, like, you come into a new job, you know, to use Sophie's analogy of like, you know, a vocational experience, you come in with a crop of three or four different employees, you see the others well received and you're not so well received because I don't know, you've come from a rival company, you know, like that's the way I see it with habits. I feel like there isn't just the pressure because of the price tag. The pressure is there because he came from Chelsea and it was the same with Jorginho, you know, a direct rival, direct London rival. And I think today we did not see enough from him, yeah. um, you know, in the build-up. And for me, it, uh, you, he, you see him working hard, but it's the quality on the ball. And the hard thing for me, right, is, listen, I've de- I've defended Havertz, but that's not to say I wanted him to begin with. And I'm not, I'm not saying this, yeah. like, to criticise him, but me, I was looking at McAllister, that went to Brighton, I mean, so to, from Brighton to Liverpool. I was looking at Madison, who went to Tottenham, especially the price tag he was available for. And today, Madison looked like the £60 million, pound, you know, midfielder. He's, he yeah. he's been, the, he's been the signing of the season so far yeah. for me. This, he's been the signing of the summer so far. He was £40 million and Winks went in the other direction. So offset that with £10 million, it was £30 million, you know. And I think, I, I, I'm not saying I'm out of patience with Havertz. I'm, I, but what I am saying is I think we do need to start seeing yeah. a bit more from him in the attacking sense. <clears throat> The work rate, I'm not knocking, you know, like the winning the ball back high up, like there, there are things that he's still doing really well, but you, you're putting him in that left centre mid role to affect our build-up play and our attacking play, you know, not necessarily with a goal or assist, but with good build-up play, you know, where, where you can see them involving themselves in getting the ball forward, getting into box, you know, maybe not directly involved, but, but more of a goal threat. We didn't look like much more of a threat when he came on. You know, and I think another thing I have said as well, as an aside, I, I think Smith Rowe needs introducing to this team. And I think with Odegaard and Saka, they, they rotate a lot like that. You know, sort of the carousel wheel movement. 
that they do. You know, like Odegaard might slip behind Saka outside and Saka might come in or they might do it the other way around. Like sort of where Odegaard will go above Saka and Saka will come under and they'll, they'll rotate. The reason why it works so well is because whoever ends up on in the inside space, um, you know, in the inside half space, is still going to come inside on their stronger foot. Whereas if you put Vieira, yeah, he's like, it's not balanced. Yeah. Yeah. If you put Vieira or Havertz in that situation with Martinelli on Trussard on the left-hand side, if they try the same movement, at some point Vieira or Havertz are going to be in a a less natural position in the half space because their stronger foot is going to be on the outside. Whereas with Smith-Rowe, Bam. he's going to be inside on his right foot in the there, same there way. There is an irony, though, Chris, isn't that if I ask you the question, what's Granit Xhaka's strongest foot? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Which is, of yeah, course, left foot. Yeah, but, no, but I absolutely understand what you're saying. The difference yeah. is that, you know, Xhaka's presence in the team, the way in which he ran, the way in which you had Martinelli. I think Martinelli was a huge miss today. You know, I know yeah, the Trossard was also missing, but Martinelli was a massive, massive miss for us today. He really would have ran Porro ragged. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure of it. Uh for me, and I'll, I'll let so for now that you both have your thoughts on this. And, and look, I get the comments in the chat saying Havertz is not the reason we lost. And he's not. Havertz is not that. Well, Drew, it feels like a loss. I keep saying loss. Havertz is not the reason we didn't win today, without a doubt. You know, and there are absolutely things that we have already discussed. And I recommend if you join late to go back and rewind and you can listen to us discuss all the reasons as why you don't, we didn't think we won today. But the issue is that I have a problem with the Havertz thing here in this game is because £65 million has been invested. And £40 million, as Chris points out, has been invested in Spurs. And that £40 million has been the difference between Spurs losing 3-1 last season and getting a 2-2 draw with us this season. Yeah. But £65 million has not translated for us in the same way. You know, arguably, £100 million in Rice is still not different. It was only 45 minutes, of course. But as so pointed out, it didn't have the best of games. Now, I thought it was all right. But by Rice standards, it wasn't the best of games. Mm. So it's the way in which the investment and the coaching that has also been improved, and the loss of Kane as well. This is the first time we're playing Spurs without Kane. You know, and they looked better at the Emirates than they have done in quite some time. So it's that that I think is the talking point for me. It's not Havertz is this, Havertz is that. Havertz needs to improve, yes. And I'm not even necessarily pointing the finger at Havertz. You have to point the finger at the club and ask the question, why was it Havertz that you felt was the right guy to come into a team that was on the up, a team that was you know, in a position whereby they were trying to go to that next level. And we thought to invest £65 million in a project of revival rather than a project in someone like Madison that is on top form and on the high rise as well was mm. the better choice. And I, I have my issues with Arsenal in that decision right now. I want to give Havertz time, like every well, not like everyone, but like a lot of people, <laughs> I want to give Havertz time. I want him to succeed, obviously, and I'm going to back the guy. But I, I have this. Yeah. I have this. I can't ignore. I can't ignore this issue that is there, and that I can't help but think, if you swap those signings over, of Havertz and Madison, my goodness me, I wonder what would have happened this season. Mm. I, I can't not think that. Do you know what I mean, Albert? Come in on this. Yeah, I think we'll be revisiting this conversation long after this podcast, um, <laughs> as it has been when we signed him. Um, I said this, Tom, like. Sometimes I just watch Havertz. Just I don't even concentrate on him. I just want to. I just look at him and see how he impacts the game. Because the thing is, particularly when you come on as a substitute, as a fan or somebody watching the game, thinking 
has this has this player made a difference coming on the pitch to impact how we win the game? And the short answer to that is no. And then you come back to the same question that you always ask yourself. It's like Groundhog Day. Where do you play him? Because if you look at his goals record, his time at Leverkusen, his time at Chelsea, he can put the ball in the back of the net, maybe just not on a consistent level. You can play him, you know, out wide, but he's not particularly really quick enough. You know, he's got technical ability. Um, you could probably play him in a false nine or a, as, as a target man, but is he is his hold-up play good enough or does he get enough goals? There, there, there's, there seems to be a lot more questions than answers. And Chris has made the most obvious point. Like, he's come from Chelsea, man. Like, our relationship of bringing players from that club to us has not been great. Um, and that doesn't help. And, like, Tom, let me throw it to you. Like, obviously, you're, you're probably pulling your hair out thinking, oh, I want to see more from this guy. And just I've got a hat on, it stops me yeah, from doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking, even I was thinking, when he came on, I'm thinking, even if you don't have the most impactful game, just stick one in the top corner, particularly against those lot. Mm. I look at it and I when he had that chance at the edge of the box, yeah, know, yeah, and I was like, Yeah, I come on, Kai, this is your chance, man. Yeah. For, for, so, bearing in mind, Madison also blazed a couple yeah, today, yeah. just for the um, argument of fairness. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um, so I just think, I, I look at it, and people in the chat might disagree, or, or and I've actually mentioned this before. I think in terms of having, as people like to say, a plan B in terms of our attacking options, and we do get a lot of crosses into the box, is there a case to play him down the middle? Yeah. At some points, I, I just think to me that's the most logical place to play him. Looking More at than where he's playing now, yeah. yeah. It's just, if you it, ask it me, me, Havertz has to start to like against well, let's say Bournemouth because that's the next league game. Havertz has to start. Where do you play? I'm playing him centre forward. Thank you. Yeah. If Trossard's fit, I'm playing Trossard probably in where Havertz was played today. You know. Um, because then you get the balance of the right footer on the left eight position, you know, and you can, if you want to use Jesus left and then Havertz in the middle and Saka right and then Trossard and, and, and Odegaard and, and, working behind. And that would and that would work, Tom, to Chris's point early in terms of Jesus. I, I, like today wasn't the, the, the right game to play him on that position, even though he, he, there's parts where he was dangerous. But yeah, if you have an option and you do, sorry, not if you, have, if you do have an option, Mikel Arteta, you do play him down the middle and then play mm. Jesus. Off. It, it can work. It, it really can work because you've got. The... We know it works because yeah. do you know the last time he played centre forward for us? What game that was? Is that the Community yeah, Shield? Yeah. yeah, and we yeah. were the most competitive we've been against a Man City side. So I know it was Community Shields, but they both teams. Let's not pretend like both teams didn't take that game seriously. They did, you know. Mm. And Havertz was decent that game. It wasn't perfect, you know. It was his first competitive game for Arsenal, but I think he was better I in that game than arguably yeah. maybe other than the Palace game. So I like what he did in that game, but. 
I think he was more impactful for Arsenal that game than any other game he's played. So I just think, and also it really bugs me that we were flinging balls into the box and he's not, he's not being there. positioned in the box. Like Tom is insane. And Nikkei yeah. is in the box and his aerial prowess isn't exactly something he in himself is well known for. So like, it's there. Yeah. He's scored headers in the past. He has scored headers. And it's like, yeah. if you get him in the back post and he's got just, he's got to nod it in, I would trust him to do that. Right. And that's mm-hmm. all you need to do. But, yeah, Sophie, I, I, you've been quiet for a while. I just just to check, I know you can't re- respond quickly in the private chat. Are you good for a little bit longer? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm fine. Yeah. Sweet, sweet. And you boys still good for a little bit longer? Is that okay? Just, just replied. Yeah. Oh, just replied. Yeah, just replied. Okay, cool. <laughs> That's fine. Um, Sophie, again, I, I feel like, and for those listening, especially those listening that are, that really like Havertz and are really wanting to be more patient with him and are screaming down their phones and devices, like it's been six games, guys. Stop battering the guy. I just feel like it's it needs to be discussed in a game in which a 30, 40 million pound signing has had this impact and Arsenal's 65 million pound signing has not had an impact at all. So, and some Arsenal fans will say to you, well, didn't start off, you know, great for Pires or Henri or whoever, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, time moves on and we're in the now. I, I only use my rear view mirror to check my lipstick and, you know, Kai Havertz is, (laughs) Kai Havertz, I think, is going to have his better games for us in the Champions League. I think that's where he's going to shine the most. I've I've said that before and I I believe that. Here's the thing. Our manager has a very big season this season and he needs to be very careful about thinking that we have the quality of Manchester City to be making similar decisions like Pep Guardiola and I'm not saying he's going square pegs round holes but I I say this like with the utmost respect and I want him to be arrogant and I want him to have an ego and I want the manager to have all of that but I I'm actually starting to the more and more I think about the game the more and more we're talking I think we showed I, I think we were and I like being disrespectful to Tottenham I don't think we took them that seriously today I think we thought that game was going to be easier than it actually was. And um, Madison's a perfect example of a player that a lot of Arsenal fans wanted. Basuma is a perfect example of a player that a lot of Arsenal fans wanted. Those two players have made a massive difference to that team, like you said, Tom. Those two players now would be, would be a welcome breath of fresh air in our team. And Why? Are we having so many injuries six games in? What is going on? I mean, I, it's like, it's, it's a mystery. It's like an X-File. The truth there is, is out no there. That. There is no what? answer to that question, Sophie. Like, I get very frustrated when people say, there must be wrong, something wrong with the training ground. There must be something wrong with No, I never this. said that. Like, I never no, said no, that. No, no, I know, I know you're not. I'm clarifying for those people that will be saying that down there. Tell us, like, what's, what's wrong with this? That's not what you're saying, but people will be asking that. And to answer that question, there is nothing wrong with the training ground. These are exceptional facilities. It is just horrific luck. I don't know why it exists, this horrific luck for us. The only thing, and we've had this discussion with the doc so far on Eat, Sleep, Arsenal, Repeat, is that mm-hmm. he says the number one cause is fatigue. So Declan Rice started every single game for us this season. Should that equate to a back injury after seven games? I don't think so. That's just bad luck. Um, Timber, it's an ACL. Terrible luck. Partey has had a, you know, a historic yeah, with Arsenal yeah. history of injuries. That was always going to, you know, it was always on the cards he might get injured. Trossard, in training, 
you know? That, is that the other question? Is there something to be said about how we've had two bad injuries in training? Do I need to think? I'm not talking about the training pitches. I'm talking about what's happening the methods. player to player. Yeah. I, this is where I was going. I wasn't going to talk about the. I mean, we've yeah. got the best facilities. I'm th- I'm talking about methods. Yeah. There must be something going on. I know Chelsea have a ton of injuries. I know every team has injuries, yeah. but it just seems like I'm. You know, I know Declan Rice has played a lot of football. He went all the way to the Europa Conf- European Conference with West Ham, and he played for England. England. Saka the same. I mean, you know, but he's been injury free. You know, Trossard really not an injury prone player at Brighton. You know, he's pulled or whatever. Martinelli has an issue. There's a constant muscle issue with, you know, whether it's Zinchenko or Tomiyasu. I mean, these are legitimate questions Arsenal fans have every right to ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I don't know what Yuri and Timber's injury history was like um, before he arrived at Arsenal. I'm trying to frantically find it now. And I, I don't expect it to be particularly well documented uh yeah. so yeah tiny little knocks the most he's missed is eight games that was because of covid you know that's the most games he's ever missed and it was because of illness you know so she's mad uh, the truth is we the- haven't played well all season so far we haven't i say to someone like tottenham are playing like they're in fifth gear already which will which will come back to haunt them we haven't even got out of second gear so is that a good thing yes i always i said tom I don't care how we start the season as long as we get results and we finish strong. That is what matters. What we failed to do for the last two or three seasons is finish strong. And and that's something to learn from Manchester City. But we're not them. And I, I sometimes think that Mikel um, thinks we are. And, yeah. I, and I want to see him make better. Today, he made very poor decisions in the starting lineup and the subs. I'm not a Mikel hater. I've defended him for a long time now. But let's call the truth. Let's let's just speak truthfully. He got it wrong today, and the players also underperformed. They all decided to have a bad game on the same day, and that is why we lost. And you know, Tottenham credit to them; they played well. But are you telling me that we aren't better than that team to beat that team? You know, mentally we're still weak. We we were so weak mentally at home today. We played like we were the away team. It was awful. And, and, you know, for a North London derby, that's just unacceptable. Mikel Arteta's on the hot seat. I'm not, I'm not calling for his head. I'm not doing anything like that. But, you know, he's got to learn as well. He keeps saying, I'm, you know, I didn't have the courage to do this. Well, you need to have the courage to do things in a game um, in order to win. And today he failed to do that. And I think with the Man City thing, you know, they started last season... With experimentation, they just brought Erling Haaland in. You know, they were kind of evolving, if you like, beyond some players that had mm. moved on themselves. They started the season, to be fair, by scoring six goals in two games and kept two clean sheets, even in that season. Um, you know, they then drew at Newcastle in that 3-3 game. They then drew against Barcelona. Um, they then drew... Uh, sorry, they, they beat Crystal Palace 4-2, but they went 2-0 down in that game. They then beat... Forest 6-0 the game after. They drew against Aston Villa away from home. Uh, and then they uh, they lost to they lost to somebody else, but they also beat Man United 6-3 in that run. So like they they were kind of figuring things out, and yes, they were conceding goals, but they were still scoring a lot of goals because they had Erling Haaland. And that was kind of the last thing I wanted to discuss. And so we'll, we'll, this is the final topic, and we'll call it closing thoughts as well. Um, but Albert. Alan Smith in the commentary today, 
the the one thing he said, and if there's one thing I can trust Alan Smith to talk about, it's you know it's about a striker, and he just said that if Arsenal had a quality number nine that was just a natural number nine, that's the difference between Arsenal being what they are and Arsenal going to that next level, where all those chances that are falling to Jesus and being missed. If it was Erling Haaland on the end of these chances, or if it was Harry Kane on the end of these chances, or if it was a top-tier striker on the end of these chances, Arsenal would be competing for the title. They would be taking themselves to that next level, which, you know, if you look at what Arsenal were last season, the next level must be winning the title. Do you agree? And my kind of second part, sub-part to that is that Jesus clearly fits what Arteta wants from a centre-forward. So would that even work necessarily by having someone who's more of just an out-and-out number nine? Great question. Um, there's not too many of them out there, to be honest with you, but <clears throat> I was asked this mm. question I was actually I was asked this question quite a while ago, I think by Potsy. Um and my, my oh, answer no. to it. It was similar to what you asked me, but you just put it in a different way, but, but no, I, and I said it at the time, I said, I don't see him buying a striker, Tom. Now, whether that's because there's not many out there, that's that that's arguable, or maybe the scouting network needs to be better because there, there must be a forward out there. And even if there is one out there, Tom, even if you talk about someone like Holland, um, they you know they made a big thing of about he doesn't have that many touches in the game to affect the game, but the touches he does have, he's an yeah. absolute killer in the box. And we don't have that, unfortunately. And I think that chance today, and I'm not digging out Jesus, but it did fall to him. I think that's the kind of chance you're talking about where you might not get too many chances in the game and you need somebody that's going to do that. So in terms of the, the sort of the striker thing, I know people throw in Tony in the chat and they've done it for probably quite a while, to be honest, for, for quite a few months or however long before he got the ban. But I'm not sure. I, I, I would love to know what goes I'm not sure if I'd like to know on a permanent basis what goes through Mikel, Mikel Arteta's head in terms of you know what maybe I just need to actually go and get a striker maybe I maybe I need to bite the bullet as good as I've as good as the players I've got at the squad I still haven't got that man to get us 20 plus goals a season I hope he's having the kind of conversations he's had Tom because it needs to be put into fruition now when listen I like our attacking element. We, in terms of goals, contributions, the Premier League last season, I think about 60, 67 plus between all of them. Um, even with Jesus being out for the time that he was. But the fact of the matter is, Tom, we, 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 however, however we scout the person, whoever it's going to be, we need to get somebody that is an absolute killer in front of goal. I don't yeah. care how they do it. I don't. I, I want them to. I just want them to do it ASAP. Whether that's going to be in January or it be in the summer. In the summer, it might be too late, Tom, because Sophie's touching it in terms of, if you look at our last three seasons, for example, we've got to learn. Miss top four, miss out of the league title. You don't want the same thing happening again. And I'm looking at the football we're playing at the moment and it, it, it was nice to have a night against PSV. Yes, you can talk about the quality of the opposition, but that's the football I want to see a little bit more replicated in the Premier League. But we're not seeing that. Um, people talk about the, you know, the Tuesday, Wednesday. Tom, I would get that argument. I don't know what you think in terms of the Champions League, right? We've only played one game. Yeah. If we were deep in the competition and we got a juggle, then I can understand maybe a plausible argument to talk about the, the blend of Champions League and Premier League. But we've had one game so far. Um, I don't talk no matter week to prepare. But yeah, Tom, to, to finish up, the striker thing bothers me because... 
we do need one. Jesus is good for, he brings a lot to our side and the way we flow in the transition. But in terms yeah. of the killer scoring goals, we don't have that. And we need that. Chris, Sophie, do you have any strong thoughts on this yeah. striker situation? Chris, I can very, see you nodding away frantically. Very, very, very strong, because I used to be a striker. Um, you know, like, oh, don't just go with the, for the honorary haircut for no reason. You know, like, <laughs> literally used to play, like, you know, central striker or, you know, on either flank. Um, Is this you know, your audition the... tape? Is that what you're saying now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, Arteta, I'm, I'm available. You know, I can roll back yeah, the years. <laughs> but, um, I feel like I have a nuanced understanding of of playing in that role. So th this is what I perceive our issues to be, right? As I, I touched on earlier, I think Niketia is more of a natural finisher than Jesus. But I think in our system, we require more than a finisher. Because if you notice, games where Saka and Trossard and Odegaard tend to do better are when Jesus plays over Niketia because they don't bring because Nikesi doesn't bring the all-round play, the ability to link play, bring players in, even runs off the ball. Some people might not know it. Sometimes Jesus might make a run in one direction, which brings a centre-back in one direction or a full-back in one direction, which allows um, Martinelli or Saka to, or Odegaard to burst into that vacated space and gives them an opportunity to finish. So Jesus brings me certain qualities off the ball, which I think overall makes our attack more effective. But I think in pressurised situations, I've noticed what I really liked about Jesus' finish against Man United, he took a second to compose himself. He took an extra touch to sit Dallow down. You could see him taking a deep breath and using the side of his foot to put it into the net. Today, that shot I've seen Hesley do this a lot, you know, like when the pressure's on, he doesn't take that breath. He doesn't take that moment to compose himself. It's like, and I used to do the same. You get a rush of blood, you know, like where you, you, you're, you, you're impulsive in the way that you strike the ball and, and you kind of rush to do it. And that there isn't that composure, that calmness, and also like taking the positions in the box. Harlan, people... The, the word tapping merchant, I can't stand. Like, I will literally just disengage from conversing with someone when I hear this tapping merchant thing because for Haaland to consistently be in the right place to tap the ball into the net shows that his positioning off the ball is of a killer. A shark in the water can sniff blood from, like, a mile, two miles away. That's what he is. He's a shark in the box, sniffing that little drop of blood, positioning his body to know where he can tap the ball in. Yeah? And I don't think that Jesus has that instinct in the box. Do you know what I mean? So what I want is a combination of what Niketia brings and a combination of what Jesus brings, rolled up into one profile. Because I think we still need that link-up play, that ability to bring other players in and to have that awareness to kind of link up the play with other players around them. But we need someone, as Albert says, that is more clinical and that has those instincts of a natural sniker, striker, sniffing blood, knowing where to position himself in the box to make finishing easy. And for me, it's Ivan Tony. Um, you know, when when, oh, when I look Ferguson. at Tony, I see yes. <laughs> maybe Evan Ferguson. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, Ferguson for me, I like Ferguson, but again, it's like, I feel like he's a bit raw. Do you know what I mean? I feel like yeah. there's a lot in his game that he needs to develop for his age because he's quite young. I love him as a talent. I think he's going to be a top talent. I don't doubt he will be, but I think Tony is the safer option. Tony gave Brentford, Brentford, 20 Premier League goals last season. Yeah? 20 goals for Brentford. Yeah? The season before, they just got promoted. I think he got 12. He got the championship record. Okay, it's a lower league, but in the championship, he broke broke the goal-scoring record in that league the season before. This guy has consistently scored, delivered. Like, you know, in a tough league, in what was perceived in his first season at Brentford to be a team that would struggle to stay up, his goals have kept them up comfortably. Yeah, The next season, his goals have comfortably made Brentford a mid-table team, which, you know, might not seem much to a big club like Arsenal, but for, for what Brentford's aspirations are, those goals were their lifeblood. So, for me, you put him in a situation where he's got better players, better coaching, all respect. I like, I rate Thomas Frank. He's a good manager, by the way. But I don't think he's at the level of a Mikel Arteta. Doesn't have the resources that Arteta has. Doesn't have the players at his disposal that Arteta has. You put him in this environment when he's getting 20 goals and four assists for Brentford. I, how, many, what, how many of those goals were penalties? I need to look at that, actually. Um, it's a good question because he was their penalty taker. But... But he, for me, he does strike me as a more natural finisher than Hezus, like for sure. Like, I think if culture, you really culture him, wise, Chris, culture wise, with what's happened, do you think he's the type of player that fits in the player profile DNA for Arteta? That's the Because he's very, yeah. very picky yeah. when it comes to it's not just about the player for Mikel Arteta, mm. it's about the oh, character yeah, right. as well. Yeah, the gambling misdemeanor thing, I think, is a big thing, you know, like, but, but look. We like we all make mistakes, and I think one thing that that has been a hallmark of Arteta's time at Arsenal is remontadas. You know, like you look at Xhaka, the remontada he's had with him. You know, like you know he sort of, you know, has, you know, managed to get a lot out of you know a player like him. And I think I think Tony would now really have seen the error of his ways. You know, with the ban, um, he's come clean. He's getting help. You know, at the end of the day, um, so for me, I think, I think the the edge as well. You know, when he, when he scored against us in his first game, the tweet, nice kick around with the boys, that aligns with Ramsdale. You know what I mean? Like with you know, sort of that that kind of, you know, the for, for want of a better phrase that Sophie used earlier, the shit housery. Like I think we need a bit more of that as well because we lost that with Xhaka. You know, Xhaka had that, you know, as well. And I think we do need a bit of a nastiness, you know, a bit of a bit of a I'm not talking about malice, but I'm talking about a bit of, you know, dark hide underhandedness, you know, like you know, sort of, yeah. yeah. And I think I think Tony has that in his game as well. So I think there yeah. are parts of his character that I think would be a good fit, you know, and you know, that competitive edge that he has. Um and I think, look, he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna be sat there watching Brentford play, knowing he should have been playing, knowing he could have jeopardised his chances for the Euros with this whole misdemeanor. I think that's gonna be a character that is gonna be very keen to sort of mend the error of their ways, to not mess up their chance, 
you give him a chance at a big club like Arsenal. He did an interview the other day where he was saying, you know, I support Liverpool, but I really like Arsenal. So it's almost like he's, you know, he's he's saying, come get me as well. Like it just. Basuma did that too. It just made yeah. sense. There were loads of them have done it. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of them have done it, yeah. And the thing is, like, yeah. what you said with Basuma as well, you know, Mudrick, these players, you know, like, oh, more so Basuma because, you know, watching his performance today and seeing what we could have had, this guy's come out. He's done an interview the other day. I've known he's a Liverpool fan. He had no reason to put our name in his mouth, but he did. You know, like, for me, you know, his I found out his agent is also an Arsenal fan. And whilst Chelsea is being talked about, his agent has serious concerns about the structure. Is it a new agent? Because he's changed his agent. Yeah, 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 he has. I think so. Yeah, and they, they're yeah. saying that his agent is actually um, advising him that that there are concerns yeah, with like the setup yeah. at Chelsea, the fact that they've been buying players, um, trying to plug and play them. It's not working. That that it's a bit of a mess there. Honestly, like, you'd be mad to go Chelsea if you're a footballer. Oh, you'd be mad, yeah. mad, mad to go to Chelsea. Yeah. We might about where we're at right now. Imagine being a Chelsea fan. Like, yeah. imagine so being a Chelsea fan. They lost today, didn't they? Watkins. Oh, oh, it's so, so satisfying. It is beyond yeah. satisfying to see them in the mud the way they yeah. are. You know, for all of, of the pain we felt today, which, by the way, we still got a point. <laughs> um, mm, yeah, the like fact it, that yeah. they're so in the mud is just wonderful. Bask in that, Gunners. Bask in that. Yeah. Because... If there's, there's one thing you can rely on, it's more about you to Tottenham fans, but it seems like Chelsea today assumed that role because we feel yeah. like we dropped three points. Even though we United, one. Mm. But then I looked at that score and I was like, you know what? Could be a lot worse. Situation could be a lot worse. <laughs> yeah. and I, I think that goes down to management of the club, management of, of you know, and I we talked today a lot about the, the Havertz situation, the question of that, because it's it's right to question things. And I think expecting perfection is it, it goes beyond what reality mm. can happen in football. Football is there's so many things that can change and go in football. Like it's so much related to luck and chance and also planning at the same time that you know, it's never, ever going to be 100% perfect. Um, you know, even Man City have, have made errors uh, in the time you think about when they started out buying the likes of Illica and Mangala and players like this, and it just oh, didn't work. God. So, yeah. you know, it's never going to be perfect, but it's about getting more hits than misses. And certainly on our way back to becoming title challengers, we have had plenty more hits than misses, and that's important. Sophie, I'm going to give you the final word of the, the show tonight. Talk to well, me. Um, very disappointing. I had high expectations for the match. Uh, but I also think that, you know, Tottenham are going places with Ange Postagoglu. I don't know. I've, I picked them to win the FA Cup this season. I hope that doesn't work out. But he had a lot of disrespect when he got that job. Yeah, and yeah. I think people underestimated them a little bit. Um, he's got that team believing. Their fan base feel like they have their club back. So they had a lot of good juju going into this. They really believed in themselves. I sent you guys in our WhatsApp over the weekend um, a thing that Coach Prime was talking about, about believing. You know, it's one thing for your coach to believe in you, but does Kai Havertz believe in himself? Mm. Do some of these players believe in themselves? Because it's just like anything in life. If you don't believe in yourself, then you can't really achieve what is asked in front of you. And Kai Havertz has come from a broken club and we're expecting him to perform miracles He's not a miracle performing player. He's not, doesn't have the, the, the pizzazz of Martinelli. He's, he doesn't have, you know, maybe the, the heart of Trossard. What, he, he seems robotic, but 
you know, he's not, he, I don't think that if he's still playing the way he is in November, then, you know, we've got a serious yeah. problem, maybe even late, later in October. So I think our expectations need to be a little bit measured because we had such a phenomenal season last year that it's not going to be the same and, and it's getting tougher. Look at Liverpool are quietly going about their business. You know, they've made some good signings. I'm not saying they're going to win the title, but they're going to challenge. So we just need to stay in it. Don't lose faith and don't lose heart. Mikel Arteta needs to pull the team together. And it's, it may sound like the sky's falling. Well, we played Tottenham today and we played poorly. We didn't show up. If we'd have played our hearts out and got a 2-2, I think we'd be talking a little bit differently tonight. Mm. But every single player, maybe for me, barring Saliba, had a terrible game. And I tell you, that player, we talk about important players. Please pray, everyone, that that guy stays fit for the whole season because he is so important. Yeah. So for me, you know, I'm going to keep the faith. I'm disappointed today. I'll probably wake up and feel a little bit differently tomorrow. But there are certain players in our team that need to start performing. And the manager also needs to just make sure that he makes better decisions in some of these matches because he's been pretty good, to be fair to him, at his subs. He got better. Um, but today, when he needed to himself, he had a bit of a poor one. So let's hope that we can flip the switch um, with our next match. Absolutely. Sophie, thank you so much for your time. Tell people where they can find you and what you're going to be up to. Uh, uh, tomorrow we go live with Super Kev um, to break down the North London derby. We get Kev's perspective. Um, we can't wait to hear the player point of view as well. So tune in at eight o'clock. Uh, for Monday Madness. Thanks for having me, Tom, and delightful talking to Albert as always. And Chris, great oh, to meet you. Likewise, Sophie. Yeah. And, yeah, thanks, Sophie. Thanks uh, Albert, great to have you on, mate, and uh, and chat again. I'll be seeing you very soon, but thank you, you will, for coming Tom. on. Tell people where they can find you. Tom, it's always a pleasure to be asked. When I get a text from you, Tom, I know this, I know this, I know it's serious business, so it's, it's good to come back on. Um, I'm not sure what I'm doing next, Tom, just because I've done so much today. Your show, <laughs> you know, a bit on Judges TV, a bit on Dan's channel, doing my own stuff on my channel. So um, I will check my socials. You, you, you'll be updated with what I'll be doing next. Don't worry about that, people. Albert JTV, come and subscribe, people. No, I wouldn't have asked you one if I know you've been on Judges channel. You know, was, uh... <laughs> someone else said that as well. I'm not gonna, yeah, someone else said that as well. But yeah. <laughs> Al 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 was he having a meltdown today? Was he having a meltdown? Or was no, he Lee, was, right? Lee was, was he all right, actually. Lee was all right. Good stuff. <laughs> Fair enough. That's, that's better than what it was after... Uh, <laughs> Fulham. Uh, was it Fulham? Was it Fulham? Fulham. Yeah. No, oh it was Fulham. It's definitely Fulham. Me. Yeah, he, he, went, he went off on one, man. <laughs> me and him had a right go. I was so few already remembers me and Lee going at each other in the, the, the group oh, chat. Great. I, I heard that, Tom. I, I even heard that. I did hear about that, yes. You heard about that? Wow. Yeah, I did, yeah, yeah. Transcended. Uh, I could tell you, I could be proper proper little bitchy when, when someone comes to me in a group chat. I, <laughs> I knew you had that about you, Tom. I could just see that now, face of yours. It's gold. Absolute gold. Good. It was good. Um, Chris, fantastic debut, my friends. Uh, so glad I asked you to come on. Uh, certainly justified that that pick. And uh, thank you for your time. Tell people they can find you and what you're going to be up to. Yeah, I mean, um, I, um, I'm one of the co-founding members of the Armory TV. I took some time out, um, you know, due to bereavements last last year. So I, I came back on this week, <laughs> did, did two shows in a day. I've done three in total this week. So my face will be back on there more. So uh, check them out um, on YouTube, on Twitter as well, the, the Armory TV or one word. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm also on Twitter as well. 
uh, my handle's gunnerking14 um, and yeah that that's also my handle on there and uh, I do a lot of TikTok content as well uh, you know a mixture of serious and less serious stuff so um, you know you can find me on there as well and uh, yeah just, oh, yeah. just the little, little dances on TikTok yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah I've jumped on Deluded Guna's channel from time to time as well so um, yeah you know like um, those are the main places where I can be found um, but yeah no it's been really good to to come on and I'd like to thank you once again Tom yeah it's been pleasure amazing. pleasure Thank you for jumping on. Really appreciate it. And thank you to you listeners. I have an apology to my apology. We didn't get to go to like questions. There's a lot of discussion. So a lot of topics to discuss. So apologies. We didn't get to get around to that, but there's good news because we do an entire Q and a section in our 8am shows, which you can tune in for tomorrow morning. Um, I'll be doing the raw reaction show, giving more of uh, my own thoughts about uh, today's game. Um, and of course, taking more of your questions and thoughts in the morning as well. So do make sure you tune in uh, bright and early at 8am. Thank you for listening. Drop a like, subscribe, all of that beautiful stuff. And we will see you uh, for the next one, as I mentioned, tomorrow. And the next game, of course, is the game against Brentford on Wednesday night. And then we're back in back, uh, back in action against Bournemouth in the Premier League uh, the following weekend. So more rotation, more decisions to make, and somehow more injuries to try and navigate. Uh, so, yeah, let's wait and see what happens. But thank you for everybody that's tuned in. We will see you again very soon. Stay safe, stay well, and as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.